Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real life zoo employees and as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we try to keep our podcasts around PG-13, so if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. I'm Emily B. I'm Kenzie. I'm Emily A. And I'm Katie. And that's all of us this week. So with that, let's get into it. Uh, fan shout out this week goes out to all of our zookeeper friends at Katie. Um, <laughs> all others out yes, there. Yes, there are many more that we know and all zookeepers. Um, this is your week. This episode will be airing uh, the day after National Zookeeper Week ends. But we appreciate all of our zookeepers and all of our animal care professionals. You guys are amazing. You guys do so much work good work we love you you deserve a thousand raises Mm -hmm. we love you Mm -hmm. most of us would not be doing what we do if you didn't exist so that's fair fair point um well moving on to conservation updates also happy plastic free july Um, we are we know we're coming to an end of to the end of the month but if you never got a chance to check out our episode from last year all about how you can limit plastic waste in your own life, you should go check it out. Got a lot of great tips on how to uh, have a more plastic-free lifestyle. Um, our other conservation update today is more of on a uh, somber note. Um, we uh, at the Conservation Queens want to express our condolences to those who have lost their lives due to the unprecedented flooding currently happening in Henan, China. Uh, If you have not heard about this event, uh, this region of the country has been receiving devastating flooding, um, which has resulted in 33 deaths so far. Um, Thousands of people have been displaced from their homes and the floods have caused about $190 million in damage so far. This province um, that it's mainly happening in is one of China's most populous and their Uh, one of their poorest provinces. So a lot of their infrastructure was not equipped to deal with such heavy rain and flooding. Um, The reason we bring this up is experts have pointed to climate change as a cause for the severity of the flooding in this region right now. Um, And we tell you about this event because it's extremely important to realize that the effects of climate change are happening now. Um, And to keep in mind that it's not only an environmental issue, obviously on this podcast, we talk a lot about the um, environment, conservation and animal side of things, but it is very much uh, a humanitarian issue as well. Um, So again, our thoughts are with those affected um, by these current events. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. Mic drop. Okay, thank you, Katie, for that. Um, Moving on to some happier zoo news. I'll be covering zoo news this week. Um, Abby is having the time of her life on vacation right now, so we wish her well. um, And she's actually visiting lots of zoos and aquariums, so good (laughs) on her. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll hear about it next episode. (laughs) Um, But some happy zoo news this week. Um, We've got a lot of babies. Um, The Cheyenne Mountain Zoo has a new baby hippo. Uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom also has a new baby hippo and a new baby gorilla. Very exciting. (laughs) So so cute. cute. Um, If you haven't seen pictures of these baby hippos, Uh, do yourself a favor, please Google. Angel. They're just little baby potato angels, and I love them. 
angels. They really are. And then uh, last one, the National Zoo is seeking names for three new black-footed ferrets. So they've opened it up to the public. So Wait, um, shut up. Oh, my God. Are you going to go name some ferrets? Yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what else would I ever want to do with my time? I mean, that is right up your alley. So, um, But, yeah, that's what we've got for Zoo News. Just a couple of short and sweet ones this week. Um, and then for Beluga News, woohoo, the best news. Uh, we've got a couple of things here. So it's Beluga Migration Time. It's that time of year. Uh, they are on the move from the Arctic down to Canada. There is a new Beluga Whale live cam that is a live stream of the migration. Um, they're expecting over 57,000 whales this year, which is wow. crazy, um, into the Hudson River. So we love that. Go check it out. Um, it's literally just called Beluga Whale Live Cam, so you can search that. It'll come up. There are lots of articles about it um, recently, so awesome. And then lastly, I wanted to give a shout-out to our good friends at Beluga Bath Co. Um, they are just growing their business crazy. Um, every time I look at their Instagram, they're in some new shop, in some new um, venue to sell their stuff. And they just started selling their stuff at all of the SeaWorld parks um, here in Florida, which is really exciting wow. for them. Wow. Right. Awesome. So go to SeaWorld, go to Bush Gardens, get you a Beluga Bomb. Uh, it's amazing. If you haven't tried their products yet, please do. They're awesome. I'm not sponsored, but we should be because <laughs> they're the best. Anyway. Um, really quick. Yes. So I went on the National Zoo's website. And first off, it's like right when you open the the website, um, cute little photo of a baby black footed ferret. Um, and then it, you click on it and it says, what should she be named? We have three choices. We have Americana. Oh, Aster. Okay. And Prairie Rose. So they're all different. Um, like species found in the prairie. I like apparently. Aster. That's cute. That is very cute. Yeah, I do too. I'm going to vote. Okay. We're voting Aster. Wow. <laughs> You're here first. Vote. They do require your email. I'm going to give it to them because why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm wondering if they had more than one kit in that. I wonder if they're doing it like one at a time. Maybe. Let's see. Vote. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Well, amazing. Hopefully it's Aster. Uh, I highly recommend everyone go do that. It was fun. But anyways, back anyways. to what we're actually talking about this week, yes. which is dun, 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 dun. coral reefs. Woo! Woo! Um, this is probably going to be my favorite biome episode, unless we do an Arctic animals episode, in which case we all know how that's going to go. Um, didn't we do that? Did we? Yes. We but did. you didn't talk about belugas because that's right. we were like, we've kind of done that a lot. Yes, so that's right. You see, this is why. Anyway, we're going to talk about coral reefs today. Um, we'll be talking about what's a coral reef, what is coral, where are these coral reefs, how can we help coral reefs. I'm sure most of you hear the word coral reefs. And literally, I heard a kid today at our place of work and the dad was like, look, it's a coral reef. We've talked about that before. And the kid goes, yeah, they're dying. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, yeah. he's not wrong. No. Not wrong. So we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to how you can help coral reefs and all the animals that call them home and rely on them. But to get started, let's just talk about coral reefs in general. I'll give you guys a little bit of an intro. So where are coral reefs found? Well, that's a great question. And if you ask different scientists, they'll give you different answers. Because when you think of a coral reef, you think of, you know, a nice, shallow, tropical type of situation. Well, spoiler alert, coral reefs actually exist in deep water as well, which we are still learning about. We know very little about them. 
So for today's episode, classic we're going devotion. To, you know, it's full of secrets. <laughs> it's full of secrets. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but we're going to be focusing on shallow water reefs because that's what people are most familiar with and that's what we know the most about. So we're going to be focusing on that. Um, with that being said, most of these shallow water reefs are all going to be above 150 feet deep. That's because they need the sunlight and we'll get to why in a moment. Um, coral reefs can be found in, like I said, lots of tropical places. Some of the um, most important coral reefs and most productive coral reefs are in a place called the Coral Triangle. If you've never heard of the Coral Triangle. Basically, if you took a map and you drew a triangle between the Philippines, Indonesia, and Papua New Guinea, you capture some of the most productive coral reefs on earth. Um, this area is named because of all the corals that are there, nearly 600 different types of coral. Um, and there's, you know, lots and lots of biodiversity here, 200 species of reef fish, um, six out of the seven turtle species. They all live there in the coral triangle. Pretty awesome. Dang. Yeah. Coral triangle is amazing. Um, if you have never heard of the coral triangle, like search some YouTube videos, um, and just like, Everything you've ever imagined a coral reef to be, that's what it is. It's amazing. Um, now, in case you didn't know, there are different kinds of coral reefs, um, the different structures of them, and it's all based on the geological formation of these reefs. So the most basic reef is a fringing reef, um, which looks like it sounds. It fringes a area of land. Um, so an example of a fringing reef is the Red Sea. Now, not to go off on a little Red Sea tangent, but I'm going to go off on a little Red Sea tangent. Um, some of the Red Sea corals are actually some of the most um, resilient to climate change, which we're going to talk a lot about later. Um, but the Red Sea is very warm compared to other areas that house coral reefs. So these corals are already kind of adapted to that hot um, water. So there are, is a lot of research going into this area right now to see, hey, can we take corals from the Red Sea or take, um, you know, grow corals with the genes from the Red Sea and put them elsewhere because they know how to survive in warm water. Amazing. Science. I know, I just, I, I learned about that recently and it just blows my mind because it makes so much sense. Anyway, um, <laughs> another type of reef, there's barrier reefs. So you may be familiar with the Great Barrier Reef off the coast I've of Australia. You may have heard of it, it you know. <laughs> nope. Never, <laughs> especially Katie, never. P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. You got it. Um, Belize also has one of the largest barrier reef systems, in case you didn't know. Um, and then the last and probably, I guess, maybe the most populous of the types of reefs um, is an atoll. So an atoll is what happens when an island sinks um, into the water and the reef surrounding it is remains. Um, so an atoll, an example of atolls would be the reefs off of Hawaii, off of the Maldives. French Polynesia, if you've been to a very pretty tropical Pacific island, chances are that reef is an atoll. Very neat. So what is coral? I get this question probably a million times a day at our job um, because coral is just one of those things that you say it and it doesn't make any sense. It's like you know what it is and then you try to explain it to someone else and you're like, do I know what it is? Right, exactly. <laughs> like I have a I have a whole freaking degree in marine biology and you know, a little eight year old comes up and says, what's coral. And I'm like, uh, uh, well, cause then you're also know. like, how do I explain this in a way that this eight year old is going to understand? Exactly. That? The answer is you don't. That's I always true. feel like that meme of the man standing in front of the board with all the red strings. Going <laughs> yes. The conspiracy so yes. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, okay, so I I'm going like, to do my best. Guest asks simple question, me. <laughs> I'm going to do my best because this is literally my job that I get paid for is to explain things like this to people. So I'm going to do my best. But if it doesn't make any sense, you know, just burn my degree. It's fine. Um, so coral is an animal. Mind blown already. You, we you haven't even me. We've I say we got one sentence in and we've already lost 90% of people. Um, <laughs> but coral is an animal. So if you look at coral, a lot of people will come up to um, some of our environments at work that where we have coral and they're like, look at these plants. And you're like, coral's an animal. And they're like, what? That can't be right. Um, <laughs> so coral is an animal and it helps if you think about it like an anemone or a jellyfish. They are all cnidarians. Um, that is their uh, phylum. And so they're all very similar. So if you think about an anemone, now an anemone has its little tentacles, it has its little mouth in the middle. Now think of coral as a bunch of anemones, a bunch of really tiny anemones that all live together. Now you're getting close now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing they because saying anemone like eight times in a row, I'm having a Nemo moment. Oh yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, this. And then, 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 these individual animals. So each little, in our metaphor here, each little anemone that lives in this giant colony is its own polyp. So the polyp is its own little animal, and it lives, and it eats, and it has its little tentacles, and it has its little mouth, and it grows next to all its other Genetically identical little <laughs> friends. <laughs> it's just an apartment complex of you a million times over. Exactly. So when I explain this to guests, you know, I say, look at this. This is a coral. Each little tentacle that you see is its own animal, and they all live together in a big colony. So a coral is a colony of all these individuals. Now, coral can be hard and make a skeleton, and these are the corals that most people are familiar with, hard corals that form the reef or it could be a soft coral, in which case, when they die, they leave nothing behind. There is no hard skeleton. They're much uh, fleshier is the word often used to describe them. Um, I think they remind, they're just squishy, to be honest with you. That's what a soft coral is, it's squishy. Now, um, corals, now this is where, this is really where you lose people. So coral is an animal, we just talked about that. They're all the little tentacles, the little mouths, all that. Now. Here's where it gets complicated. Now think back to when we talked about giant clams, friends. Think back oh, yes. to when we talked about the giant clams and how they have algae that lives inside their body that makes them food from the sun. Corals are the OG zooxanthellae, friends. Um, zooxanthellae is the name given to the algae that the coral takes up inside of it. And it also is what gives the coral its color, just like it gives the giant clams color, the algae gives the corals its color. Thanks, so, algae. Yes, algae, you're a real one. Um, the algae... <laughs> in return for making all the food for the coral, gets a nice home within the coral. So they both benefit from the symbiotic relationship. Good. Um, now <laughs> corals need to live in shallow water because of this. Um, if they are in deeper water, their zooxanthellae obviously not as helpful. Um, they can't make food from sunlight that isn't there. So um, like I said, we talked a little bit about how deep sea corals do exist. Those are much different. We are not going to be covering those today. So we talked that, a little that bit. Needs its own podcast. Yes, truly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So now we talked about there's hard corals that exist. They make a skeleton and there's soft corals. So we're going to dive a little bit more into that. 
Uh, hard corals are often called stony corals. Uh, they are the ones that build the actual reef. Um, the name for this is hermatypic. It just means they build reefs. They are ecosystem engineers. They are literally building the ecosystem, literally. They are the building blocks of the reef. Um, they make a hard skeleton out of calcium carbonate. Um, and this forms these big, beautiful structures that we know and love. And I like to tell kids it's like an apartment building for fish. Um, now, not just fish, and we're going to get into the biodiversity of what lives in coral reefs, but you get the point. Um, makes lots of nice little nooks and crannies for everybody to live. Now, some examples of hard corals are things like a brain coral, elkhorn coral, staghorn coral, rice coral, finger coral. I could go on and on, but those are some of the most common. Emily, uh, what's, yes. what's your favorite coral? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> did I ask the no. question? <laughs> favorite well, you just touched it. No, that doesn't help. No. Um, Okay, well, only because a guest made me very angry the other day. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> this guest basically told me that I was dumb because I didn't know the name of one specific coral. So oh, I remember this. <laughs> because of spite and because I am the way I am, I went and learned a whole lot about this coral. Um, it's called the Easter Egg Chalice Coral. It's purple with yellow little dots, and the dots are called teeth, which is weird. Hmm. Yep. Um, I could really, I don't know. There's too many corals. That's the problem. Oh, no. That's a pretty one, though. I just Googled it. I, yeah. I like it. But it doesn't exist in the wild. Did you know that? Oh, well, no. <laughs> it's just an aquarium coral. But I guess I was very angry that I didn't know it. But, you know, maybe I should have told him I studied in the actual ocean. Oh. <sighs> Burn. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> yeah, sounds like you got a regular Dave there. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway. Uh, so soft corals, um, they're fleshier. They're called ahermatypic as in they do not build a reef. They're just kind of more, they do still serve a lot of purpose as homes for other animals, things like that. Um, but when they die, they leave nothing behind. Um, so technically they are actually not true corals. If you go into the phylogenetic tree and how they all formed and what makes a coral a coral, they're not technically mm. corals, but we call them soft corals. Let's, let's not fine. get into that. We're just going to breeze right past that. Um, they're sclerotinians in case you were wondering. Uh, and then wow. soft corals are actually um, a lot better for um, people who want to have these saltwater systems in their homes. Um, you know, one of the problems, and we'll get to this with coral reefs, is that people will often try to, like, take them out of the wild and bring them to their home aquariums. But soft corals actually grow very quick, um, and they're a lot easier to mariculture for home aquariums. So we love that. Um, some examples of soft corals include sea fans, sea whips, sea pens, coastal corals, bubble corals, hammer coral, and so on and so forth. Lots of fun soft corals. Those are usually the ones that people think are prettier as soft corals because they, they blow in the breeze and, you know, very fancy. <laughs> um, anyway, with that, uh, any questions about coral, you let me know. DM us on Instagram. I'll do my best. <laughs> It's very difficult to explain coral. The moral of the story is it's an animal with plants inside of it. That's really all you got. Emily, you like are a our, you're our resident uh, coral expert. So you I did do a great my best. job. You really I do my did. best. Yeah. That was better than I've ever explained it to a guest. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for stroking my ego a little bit. Um, <laughs> with that, let's hear about all of the animals that call the coral reef home. Yeah, because it ain't just so, the coral. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, the coral is the animal, so that is. They, I guess, are kind of like the, the thing. 
thing that needs to be there. <laughs> yes. So coral provides homes, nurseries, and food sources for other animals. Um, but what kind of animals do I love here? Well, the answer is thousands. <laughs> Most <Everyone>. of them. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to name a few. Um, uh, sea turtles are one of pretty much everyone's favorite. I mean, who doesn't love a sea turtle? Um, but what do sea turtles do here? Well, they will go down and they'll get cleaned by other fish and they'll take little naps in the coral. Yeah, um, they sure <laughs> will. Um, and some of them will eat sponges, which is pretty interesting. Um, and just eating in general, like other crustaceans or some of the sea grasses that grow here. Um, there's also sharks and dolphins. Um, so not only do like some shark species like literally live by and in coral reefs, um, but sharks and dolphins in general will use them as a nursery to raise or have their young. So yeah. cute. One of my favorite documentary moments. I don't even remember what documentary this was from, but it was a, a group of adolescent dolphins that found a piece of broken coral on the ground. They were near a reef area. Oh, yeah. And they picked it up, and they just all, like, watched it float back to the ground, but they were all like, whoa! <laughs> like, they <laughs> kept doing that over and over, and they were just like, look at this thing float down. And it was it was amazing, and I thought it really described dolphins really well in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. But yeah, <laughs> it sounded like you knew what I'm talking about. I, know exactly I don't know what documentary about. it was. I can't remember I either. I think it's was one it... of the planet Earths. I was going to say, I think it might be Probably. an Our, Our Planet episode. Maybe. Or Blue Planet. Blue Planet. Is it Blue Planet? Mm, yes. Might be. I think it was one of the newer. Blue Planet. Yeah. Well, it's the new one. The second one. Yes. The season yes. two. Yes. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. There you go. Find that episode. Watch dolphins uh, enjoy watching a coral fall. It's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very relaxing, actually. It is. Anyways, back to Emily. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I really love that clip. Well, I mean, speaking of some of the animals that use it for a nursery, uh, sharks are related to these rays. (laughs) Um, Rays, just like literally all of them, like small boys, big boys. All of them. <laughs> uh, my favorite one are like the small rays because, you know, when you think of a stingray, you think of one that you probably see at the aquarium, which is usually a large one. But there's teeny tiny little ones that are like the size of your hand. And that's yeah. horrible. <laughs> um, and I mean, just fish. Fish in general. There's so many. <laughs> um, there's an unreal amount. So we're just going to say fish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is one that I found that was kind of interesting. They listed seabirds. Um, Now, they don't necessarily live in the coral, um, but seabirds do um, often access, like, coral reef areas because that's where their food sources are. Um, And some other food sources that a lot of um, other animals eat that live in the coral are, like, jellyfish, starfish, plankton... All of those live here, too. Lots of crustaceans, like lobsters, crabs, and scallops. Um, Which, by the way, um, I recently learned. I mean, I knew scallops could swim. Weird. If you haven't seen it, you need to look it up. But (laughs) crabs can swim. And it looks so funny. They're like little back legs just swim. And the rest of them is just, like, hovering. It's really, it's hilarious. I'm going to insert a small story. Um small story so when I was in my invertebrate class in college we spent a 
insane amount of time on crabs um, for our class, whatever, learning about the different types of crabs. Um, there's literally five different groups of crabs based on their body shape and all that. Um, and one of them is the swimming crabs and their scientific name is Portunidae, which is very strange, but they literally, their last set of legs is modified to basically be paddles with which to swim. Yeah. It's really funny. The little crabs paddles, are weird. like they're going so fast and they're really trying real hard to swim. And the rest of its body is just kind of like holding its little like throat claws. It's very awkward. Just Google it. <laughs> they're like reverse helicopters. <laughs> yes. That's actually Absolutely. a great way to describe it. It is, yes. Um, an honorary mention, Emily. To the world's second best animal behind beluga whales, the giant <laughs> clam. They're only found on coral reefs. And I mentioned them earlier, but I just thought I'd mention them again because they're amazing. If you haven't listened to our giant <laughs> clam episode, please stop what you're doing. Pause this episode. What go to that doing? one. And then come back. <laughs> <laughs> when you say giant, they're they're literally giant. And it's just... The amount of eyes that those things have, that's what really sold me because it just they makes them a little extra everything. <laughs> Not <laughs> really, though. Yeah, they see light and dark. And that's about <laughs> it with all those eyes. <laughs> um, and other animals that rely on corals for survival... I'm not going to list all of them because it's literally every single animal in the entire ocean. Um... Like I said, coral provides a place for animals to raise their young, provides homes, and most important, food sources. So if you don't have coral, you don't have the small fish, and you don't have the big fish to eat those fish. And then you don't have the things that everyone loves, like your big sexy megafauna, dolphins yeah. and whales. <laughs> so um, no one wants to listen to us name off thousands of animals, but the point is, is that coral reefs are literally the backbone of the ocean. And without them, the ocean will literally crumble. So, Katie, yeah. can you tell us why they're what? so important? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, why are coral reefs important? And it's like, well, aside from literally everything Emily A. just said, <laughs> um, which to drop a statistic for you, I love this statistic. Um, they Coral reefs provide food and shelter for 25% of all marine life. So a quarter of all the life in the ocean even though the coral reefs themselves um, only take up less than 1% of the ocean. And but they got let me add to your statistic. Absolutely. 97% uh, of that less than 1% of the ocean, 97% of that one little tiny 1% section is in the coral triangle. Boom. What? Brain exploded. Brain exploded. So, <laughs> yeah, as if you literally needed more reasons... The crazy thing is I have actually quite a few more reasons <laughs> why the coral reefs are very important. Um, I don't know who put this fun fact in here, but apparently there are some coral reefs out there that are even older than our old growth redwood forests. Oh, now, cool. Who put that in there? That was me. Oh, I like <laughs> it. That is pretty incredible. So, um, Emily, I also mentioned that why are they important? They are important food sources, not only for animals, but for people too. There are a ton of people uh, all around the world that depend on coral reef areas for fishing um, for food. So that's pretty important. One of my favorite reasons is that coral reefs help prevent coastal erosion and offer protection. 
This is so important. They act as a natural barrier against storm surges and waves. So this is kind of a crazy um, statistic here for you. Uh, The ridges in coral reefs act as barriers and they can reduce wave energy by up to 97%, providing crucial protection from threats like tsunamis. Um, Obviously, other storms like hurricanes, tropical storms are some of the other um, ones that they can help protect coastal areas against. Um, So, you know, that's, I would say, pretty important for um, people like me who live relatively close to the ocean. Yes. Um, I appreciate you, Coral Reefs. They also protect, so Emily, I mentioned that um, a lot of coral reefs act as nurseries for many areas. So the reason for this is they protect a lot of mangrove areas and seagrass beds that animals use oftentimes as nurseries. Um, as uh, along with helping protect the coastal populations of people living in those areas. Um, and with more frequent and severe storms predicted as part of climate change, um, this is really just making coral reefs uh, more important than ever. Uh, there was actually a really cool, well, I don't want to say really cool study done. It wasn't really a study. It was just an example Um there was an instance uh, where coral and sand was mined away in one area of Mal... How do you say it? Maldives. Thank you. I was like Maldives, and I was like, that's not right. Um, It costs $10 million per kilometer to build a wall to protect the coastline. So they literally built a wall because they mined away all the coral and sand, and they had nothing to protect themselves. Bad move, Chief. Really not great. So, you know, economically speaking, uh, coral reefs are are pretty, you know, valuable to our infrastructure and to uh, just maintaining uh, life as we know it on those shorelines. Uh, Coral reefs have also been referred to as the medicine chests of the sea. There have been a number of organisms found on reefs that produce chemical compounds that have been isolated for human applications Um, And this is kind of a fun fact. More than half of all new cancer drug research focuses on marine organisms. Um, And (laughs) guess where a lot of those marine organisms are? Spoiler alert. It's coral reefs. (laughs) (laughs) So also just to throw this one out there, um, they're they're gorgeous. I was about to say a not so nice word there. (laughs) They are gorgeous ecosystems. So much art has been inspired by the colors, shapes, and textures found in, found in coral reefs. Um, and that being said, they're a huge tourist attraction. Uh, they support a lot of jobs in the tourism industry in countless places around the world. So in conclusion, coral reefs have an estimated global value of $6 trillion each year due to their contribution in fishing, so food, Um, tourism and the storm protection that they provide and it is estimated that about 500 million people depend on the reefs for these same reasons worldwide so like come on what (laughs) just a little important that's all yeah i cannot emphasize this enough they are so important and they're priceless because you know they're great so there's that too all right, so what do we got to do, Kenzie? <laughs> so unfortunately, not even that yet. 
what's oh. happening to them, Kenzie? That's yeah. true. So um, let me let me uh, start you guys off with the joke. Why do morals <laughs> get so stressed out all the time? Oh, I know this one. Is it climate change? <laughs> oh, oh, can I say it? Can I say it? Go for it, Emily. Current events. Yes! <laughs> of which climate change is very oh my much God. part of. That is both a joke and also not a joke. <laughs> if you don't laugh, you cry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so buckle up, buttercups. Y'all are in for a doozy. <laughs> I'm ready. So as we've all heard listeners coral reefs are absolutely invaluable to life in all of its forms here on planet earth unfortunately coral reefs are being threatened by uh (laughs) many many things climate change being the first and foremost among them it is perhaps the greatest existential threat to coral reefs and to the world on a whole so corals are sensitive creatures and even what may seem to us (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, so I second that. <laughs> Even what may seem to us a measly change can have devastating impacts on these systems. With ocean water increasing in temperature, coral reefs are subjected to mass bleaching. Uh, bleaching is a process where, under stressful conditions, the coral will reject the symbiotic zoanthelae that Emily talked about. You know, the creature that gives it the color and helps provide food. Uh, and this, in turn, gives the coral a quote-unquote bleached appearance. Now, I don't know if you guys remember when this first made big headlines, but back in 2015-2016, the Great Barrier Reef was announced to have lost over 400,000 hectares of coral due to bleaching. So to kind of put that in perspective, that's if the Amazon rainforest lost two-thirds of mm-hmm. the trees to logging. Um, and hearing a lot of the testimonies from people who grew up near and around and worked on the Great Barrier Reef when that hit, I cried. I'm not going to lie. I cried because just how devastating a loss that is and hearing these people tell their stories about even just years ago, how colorful and vibrant and full of life it was. And then to see the what was happening then and just how lifeless it, it's it's pretty traumatizing <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I laugh, but it, it is pretty sad when you think about it. Now, um, can I add to the bleaching point really quick? Absolutely, go for it. Um, so, to further simplify bleaching, because it is a big, complicated thing. Mm-hmm. Basically, the water gets too hot, and the algae inside the coral says, "I don't want to live here anymore. You're not a good home for me anymore, coral," and it pieces out. Coral um, is like, "I didn't do anything." <laughs> right, um, but I did want to add. So, um, it's a compounding issue. So. Um, if the coral bleaches and the algae leaves the coral, you know, the coral now has to fend for itself and get its own food, which it's very bad at doing, which is why it has the algae to begin with. Um, and this means that the coral is more susceptible to algae overgrowth, macroalgae overgrowth. Um, and when the macroalgae cover the coral, um, they cover not only the sick coral, but they cover healthy corals as well, shading them out. Um, meaning the healthy corals who do have zooxanthellae, um, can't get the sunlight that they need. Um, And then it turns into a big, nasty algae pit. Yeah. So it's it's no bueno on all fronts. No bueno. Now, if given sufficient time, some corals can potentially recover from the bleaching, but with trends as they are, uh, reefs have absolutely no time to regenerate. And just within the past four years alone, we've been seeing massive bleaching worldwide over and over and over again. 
but wait, folks, there's more. <laughs> Kenzie, no. Oh, Kenzie, yes. <laughs> In addition to bleaching, ocean acidification is also a rising problem. So with increasing CO2 or carbon dioxide levels, the pH of our ocean water is subject to change. And then with that, it begins to decrease. So if you guys remember back to chemistry, I know oh, it's my gross. least favorite subject ever. But remember the pH scale from chemistry, the lower the pH, the more acidic that it is. So the more acid, the more acidity in the water, it makes it more difficult for corals to build their skeleton and it leaves them weakened and, and vulnerable to a whole host of other problems. And this right? problem applies to uh, more than just corals. Any animal mm -hmm. that has a shell um, is pulling um, calcium carbonate from the ocean um, from the water around it to make its skeleton and its um, shell. So animals like other mollusks, um, things like that, are also experiencing um, this problem with the weakening. Yeah, oh gosh, it's, darn it. yeah, it's not a fun time for anyone involved. And think about that too. Think about the shellfish that maybe people rely on to harvest to make their money to put food on the table, literally. That's not going to be good for them. So remember what we were saying earlier, climate change, yes, it is an environmental issue, but at its heart, it is a humanitarian issue. And as we go forward, we're going to start seeing a difference in people, people who can flee and people who hmm. cannot when it comes yes. to climate crisis. CEO entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. So in addition to the global problem of climate change, coral reefs also face more localized problems, if you will, uh, chiefly through physical damage from development and pollution, which often, let's get real, goes hand in hand. Uh, since coral reefs, or the, at least the ones we're talking about, are found in shallow water and typically near coastlines, they're particularly vulnerable to things like building development, urban runoff, um, and dredging, which is an abhorrent fishing practice that uses these great big trawl nets to just essentially scrape the bottom of the seabed for fish. I really can't describe my, the anger I feel when I think about dredging. Yeah. I really yeah. can't. Because in addition to breaking up the coral reefs and other structures that are down at the bottom of the seabed, it also has a lot of uh, bycatch. That's the word. A lot of yeah. bycatch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, it's just not a fun time. Not a fun <laughs> time at all. Um, so a little bit closer to home right now, Tampa oh. Bay has a really, really bad red tide this year and yeah. had massive marine animal yes. die-offs. Yeah. So Hi. Hello. Um, yeah, my it's name you. is Katie and my favorite animal in the whole water based, because they are both in brackish salt water and fresh water, are manatees. They are the love of my life. Um, they're my favorites and they so far this year in 2021 um, have had the worst year for manatees in the history of their population yeah. um, that we know of, obviously. But yeah, they have been drastically affected by uh, red tide this year and it's, it's not great. And it makes me um, really worried for manatees. So if, yeah, we can just listen to Kenzie and what we got to do next. That'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, well, red tide also can affect people too, uh, especially if you have allergies or respiratory issues. Mm -hmm. So don't go near it. So if you can imagine what that does to marine animals, imagine what that does to coral. The technically coral is a marine animal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> See, it's confusing. It is, it is confusing. 
Um, in addition, irresponsible divers and swimmers visiting coral reefs can damage the reef by breaking the structures. Um, I've heard of stories people trying to mark or put their initials on the coral. Oh Don't do that. It's one, ah. very disrespectful. Uh, two, it permanently damages the coral and can kill it off. Uh, three, what kind of a move is that? <laughs> I will add that... A lot of people truly don't know, um, okay. which doesn't make it any better. But, um, for example, um, in Hawaii, people stand on the reefs all yeah. the time. Oh, my God. And I will literally yell at total strangers. Um, and, you know, those people who are in my party are like, why are you yelling at a perfect stranger? I'm like, well, because they're standing on the gosh darn coral reef and we can't have that. I'm just Not imagining today. you, Emily, like an old man yelling at kids to get off their lawn, but it's get just off that floating. Reef. Yes, the well, like and it's, yes. it's even worse because I'm like, you know, looking like a scrub in my, you know, <laughs> snorkel mask and fins and, you know, yeah, it's a time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I've done it. Said, some many people times. do it by accident. Like if you're jumping off a boat and then you hit a coral, like mm. whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pay this attention. Open like, your eyes. Kind of yeah. on that note, but did you guys see the um this was on the news the other day, but this couple was honeymooning in Hawaii and uh. they saw okay, I think Emily knows where I'm going. They saw um an elephant Elephant monk seal, right? No, Hawaiian monk seal. Hawaiian monk seal. Wow, I just mixed up my seals there. Anyways, Hawaiian monk seal. It's like that doesn't sound right. Um, and they went up to it, and the woman started like petting it and like touching uh, it, and take so they could get pictures with it. And then the the Hawaiian monk seal like turned its head around and like you know growled at her. Basically, is what it sounds like in the video. Um, and like they run off, but they were uh, arrested. Or they were, you know, charges brought upon them, uh, but they both were like, how are we supposed to know that was illegal? Well, it violates at least two laws off the top of my head, the Marine Mammal Protection right. Act and the Endangered Species Act. But, you know, this couple honeymooning in Hawaii on their vacation, do they know about the Endangered Species Act and the Marine Mammal Protection Act? Um, like, I would love for them to, but... Uh, they didn't, so it's not exactly stressed upon and screwed. Well, no, Hawaii very much so is very proud of their marine habitats and marine diversity. Yeah, but you could say um, there were signs. A lot you of know, time. people don't read them. Yeah, you know it. Those signs, it's your fault. Sorry, we work at zoos. You know this. Listen. The moral of the story is respect wild animals. Period. Yeah, that was play just stupid little games, win interjections. Stupid Don't yep. interact with wildlife. Yep. All right, and, uh, uh, and including don't interact with wildlife. Um, over harvesting of corals and taking corals home for trinkets and jewelries, and even for oh. your aquariums, like Emily mentioned earlier. Don't do it. Just, just, just don't. don't. If, <laughs> Please. You, if you want to buy a coral trinket, you know, just make sure that it was sustainably sourced. You know, just, just don't. Like do if it it's all. already broken and it's already dead, and you find yeah. a very small piece on the beach. First of yeah. all, you should leave everything that you see on the beach there. But, but make good choices. Make good. Don't choices. just you know take a whole coral head with you. That's not quite right. No. Also, I imagine that's very hard to get through uh, yeah. your carry-on and airport security. But <laughs> with that cheerful little list right there, Emily B., what can we do to prevent such catastrophes from happening? 
Well, there are lots of lovely things that we can do. I'm going to give a few and then Katie's on here for some others. Um, yeah. So one of the first things I wanted to mention, I totally forgot about this until about halfway through. Um, if you haven't already watched the Chasing Coral documentary on Netflix, please do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Um, it came out a couple of years ago. Um, they do an incredible job of showcasing um, coral bleaching, what it really looks like, how it um, functions and how in the span of just a few years, they were able to document uh, these massive bleaching events. Um, so you can get a really good um, look at that and kind of the scope of this problem. So if you haven't seen that, please go do so just to give yourself a little bit more information. Um, but there are lots of things that you can do to help coral reefs both locally and globally. Um, one of the biggest ones is wear reef safe sunscreen. Now in most cases, this is gonna be a mineral sunscreen um, there are lots of ingredients that are not reef safe. Um, I could list them all out for you, but that would take a long time. Um, I will also say that many sunscreens um, by big name brands um, are that are labeled as reef safe are not actually reef safe. Um, they are able to put that label on them because they have gotten rid of two of the main um, non-reef safe ingredients, oxybenzone and oh, oxycrylene, I think is the other one. Um, those two ingredients, as long as they omit just those two, they're able to label their product as reef safe, um, but they have many other non-reef safe chemicals in them. So you wanna look for mineral sunscreens, do your research. This is a very complex issue. Um, but even if you're just in your pool, remember all drains lead to the ocean. We don't wanna be putting those chemicals into waterways, period. Um, another Finding one- Nemo didn't lie about some things. Yes, it's true. <laughs> if you wanna know what they lied about in all of its glory. Let me know. I've got a PowerPoint for you. Our next episodes, honestly. <laughs> I'm, I'm we'll do a video this. episode. <laughs> oh no, but then they'd see us. Well, they don't have they could just see my PowerPoint. <laughs> Listen, we'll just wear masks. It's fine. Uh, That's true. Um more reason or more ways to help um coral reefs uh buy sustainable seafood. We've talked about this a lot. Um know where your seafood's coming from and things like the Monterey Bay Seafood Watch app, good ways to make sure that you are purchasing seafood that has been sourced sustainably and is not harming the ecosystem that it came from. Um, when you're on vacation, look for excursions and tours that are eco-friendly and they're focused on uh, saving those animals, not just let's jump off a boat into a pod of dolphins. Like that's you know obviously wrong in many ways, not just the Marine Mammal Protection Act, but we wanna look for um, eco-friendly tourism is really what we want here. Um, another thing, be careful what you buy. Uh, we talked about this. Coral is often sold as jewelry, trinkets, decorations. Um, so just pay attention, you know? Well, Emily, I actually have a question. Yes, uh, if you are outside of the country, how would you find an eco-friendly tour? Like, what should you look for? Um, well, first of all, I would try to do a lot of your research before you go. Um, because once you get there, you're probably not going to have um, a as many resources. Vacation brain, baby. Exactly. Um, but you want to look for tours. I mean, for example, like if you're looking to book a snorkel tour, for example, um, you want to make sure that the tour company is, you know, not throwing their anchor down on top of a coral reef. You want to make sure that the guides are not encouraging you to touch things and take things, things like that. Um, we want this to be a look, but don't touch type of scenario. And not feeding. Right. Exactly. All those things. Yeah. 
Uh, and it can be tricky to find that too, um, especially uh-huh. like when you're, you know, maybe going abroad and doing an excursion like that. Um, it's definitely a little easier said than done, I think. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, you are told about that tour before you go on it, but um, other ways to help coral reefs. We, so we talked a lot about climate change in this episode and obviously a big way to um, kind of combat climate change is to reduce carbon emissions um, and I feel like we mentioned this a lot at the end of our episodes, but I wanted to put some more, I guess, substantial ways to start doing that. Um, and the number one thing we can do, probably, I don't know, there's a lot of things we can do, but <laughs> voting for policies that ensure reduction in emissions and support clean energy. Um, and like, talk to your friends and family about it. Encourage them to do the same. We gotta, you know, change things from starting at the it doesn't really work from the top to the bottom. That's not really what I meant. But, like, you know, big companies, man. Capitalism. They're, they're emitting a lot more uh, carbon emissions than you and your apartment, I promise. Um, but that being said, we can still do little things to help, like doing Meatless Mondays. Is actually um, has a really a lot of a bigger. What is that noise? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Ellie. <laughs> Ellie has decided to drink an entire gallon of water oh at this exact moment. <laughs> we'll just wait for her to be done. Ellie says, "Stay hydrated and try meatless Mondays once again." Oh man. Um. So yeah. So even you know, trying just one day a week, um, keeping meat out of your um diet does a really great job of helping reduce um, carbon emissions uh buying food and produce uh locally is also a great way to do that as well saying no to fast fashion um so you know companies that kind of pump out clothes with each new trend is not really great for the environment uh thrifting is the best secondhand stores i love it um and then the last thing is be a consumer activist so familiar familiarize yourself with different companies' practices and support those that are taking action against climate change. Um, Kenzie, or who, who wrote that? It's it's me, yeah. Uh, limit the money you give to Jeff Bezos <laughs> as much as you can. Like, I think it's great that we are investing in, um, in space travel and space aeronautics. I think it's needed. It helps to propel science. We can do experiments out there. That's awesome. And yeah, it creates jobs. But Jeff Bezos is not a god among humans. <laughs> and he has to be held responsible. Him and his company have to be held responsible. Um, they pay little to no taxes. And they do that legally, which I think is, is crap. Um, They emit a ton of CO2 emissions, and they also have horrible working conditions for a lot of their employees. So vote with your dollar. Vote up the ballot and vote with your dollar, folks. Your dollar. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much, uh, that's a big one there. I think that's a good place to end it on how you can help coral reefs. Uh, Yeah. Seems good to uh, me. Yeah. Um, With that, yeah, let's see. Um, No big announcements this week. Um, if you aren't already follow us on social media, if you're new here, um, all of our, uh, social media accounts are conservation Queens podcast. So check us out. Um, and thank you all so much for joining us this week. Get out there, stay sustainable, save the coral reefs. Bye. 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 Bye.